Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Stuff to Reddit Podcast. Celtics Reddit Podcast. My name is Ben Vallis. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. It is the off-season that continues to deliver. Campbell Walker, off he goes. Traded to OKC. Al Horford, back in Boston, along with Moses Brown. Plus, roster building around Tatum and Brown, Brad Stevens, coaching hire shortlist. There's plenty to get to. Joining me, of course, is Jackson, aka Rickman Lives. Jackson, welcome back, sir. How's it going? Man, it's been way too long and so much has happened. Hello, by the way. <laughs> nice to be back. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting um we're getting professional Jackson. Yeah. You can tonight. see you can see the uh, the ping pong table in the office just behind me. Currently unoccupied. Wow. <laughs> but, uh, normally normally that's where all the business gets done. Check that out for culture. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, look at that. <laughs> just need hammocks and then we're a total millennial <laughs> office, but you know, we're working on it. <laughs> uh, and of course, joining us from the farm, our New from Zealand correspondent, Joe, aka Nosecrotes McFly. Welcome back, Joe. How's things? Hey, good, mate. Um, yep. Now, I think I've given the goats a wee shout out on uh, a couple of previous episodes, but yeah. Um, <laughs> now, nah, I'm, I'm getting in there. I'm getting in there with the goats for a couple of weeks. Yep. Is there a fresh co- crop of uh, scorching hot takes you can harvest for the podcast tonight? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. They're coming. They're coming. Twins. The goats. So, uh, so hopefully, I'll have double the takes. Awesome, awesome farm talk for you there. We don't uh, really know until we get there though, because this is all improvised. Absolutely. So let's get to it. So Woj tweeted a couple of days ago, right as I was going to sleep, kept me up for several hours afterwards. The Celtics are trading Campbell Walker, the number 16 overall pick in the 2021 draft and a 2025 second round draft pick to Oklahoma City for Al Horford, Moses Brown, and a 2023 second round pick. Sources tell ESPN. Uh, Jackson, we'll go to you first. Overall thoughts on the trade, just like general reactions and response to this trade. Kemba walking out the door. Um, <laughs> now that we've got that other way, sums it up. Now we've got that other way. Yeah. Um, look, I think it felt inevitable. I think everyone wanted to move on. I think even if you know we were able to see what all of the parties involved wanted to do here, I think you would have found that Al Horford wanted to come back to Boston. I think you want to find the Kemba Walker. Maybe not necessarily wanted to leave Boston, but he probably wanted to find a better situation for himself. So I think all things considered, it's probably you know about as good as we could have done given the the circumstances and the money that was involved so you know it's it's sad to see Campbell go it's it's a shame it didn't work out but um I, I think we all know that it wasn't really what we wanted it to be so uh yeah I'm excited I'm excited to um you know go back to the future as as they would say <laughs> where we're going yes indeed we don't need roads <laughs> we don't need Campbell either apparently no what, what, what do you think Joe <laughs> Um, I mean, I woke up to that trade, um, the the old Aussie time difference. I think it would have come through around about 1 o'clock New Zealand, so maybe 11 Australian, mm-hmm. which would have been just before I nodded off to sleep because it, it was Saturday 
our time, right? Hey, being Friday night going into Saturday. Yeah, Friday, Saturday. The, the days all blend together, let's be oh, honest. I, yeah, <laughs> I would have been pretty pumped about it, you know, so I probably had a similar similar reaction to you, Ben. Um, I'm, I'm quite pro it. Um, I think... I just think, honestly, Al Horford is just going to have way more impact on winning. And, like, listening to some of the reaction pods, um, I think people are forgetting that. Like, I think people are really assuming that he's, um, like, it would be, like, a nice bonus if he can play. I, I honestly look at it like they're trying to acquire a contributing player for their team. That's that's how I see it. I And I, I, I'm of the belief that we made a mistake in not paying Al Horford. I think a lot of the... A lot of the crap that we've gone through, we wouldn't have gone through if we if Al had sort of been on the roster the whole time. You think Gordon Hayward stays if we if we managed to sign Al Horford a couple of years back? Gun to my head, I do. Yeah, sure. Yeah, fair enough. I think, I think it's. I just think it's a really different. The, the team has a really different shape with him. You never know. You know, if Gordon really was that satis- dissatisfied being the the third option, but he wouldn't have been. Like he wouldn't have been. Like, he would have been the third option, I guess. You know. Um, but Horford, I just think Hayward and Horford, they're sort of like in our in our heads, right, in theory, they're the types of players that really want to play together a lot of the time. So I think um and they never really got a, a fair shake at it. So it's a shame. And so um, you're comfortable and Jackson, I'm keen to hear your thoughts on this as well. You comfortable and, and confident with the idea that Horford can still contribute? Because we haven't exactly seen a lot of him. Really, in, in sort of the latter half of that Philly season, you know, we swept him in the playoffs. Obviously, didn't perform all that well in, in that scenario, and then didn't play for the second half of the season in OKC. So, like, how can we move forward with confidence that he will be physically able to contribute? Yeah. Well, I guess he's had half a season off. So, from a health perspective, you know, that could certainly be a bonus. I think everyone, I think the the pessimists or what everyone's worried about is that he is in fact washed uh, and he's a little bit too old to contribute like he used to. But I mean, it's not like we were asking him to do, you know, mountains upon mountains of work, you know, back when he was here, you know, he was an important part of the team, but it's not like we, we ran everything through him and he was the first option. So it's not like we're going to be asking him to do necessarily more than what he had here. And Tatum and Brown are, are going to be much better. So, you know, as far as a fit is concerned, like Joe said, I think it's, it's, this is much, much better for us um, moving forward. Um, admittedly, you know, Brad isn't the coach anymore. What kind of an impact that's going to have on the team moving forward, we don't know. Um, but, I mean... I've got no concerns about it whatsoever. I think from a fit perspective, I think the fact that he probably really wants to be here, like in, in the immediate fallout of it, all all we were getting was just the fact that Horford and his family was just so stoked to be coming back to Boston. I think he did, never really wanted to go to Philadelphia at all. I think that financially it made a lot of sense for him and him ending up in Oklahoma, ending up in Oklahoma was symptomatic of the money that Philly paid for him. So it's it's a nice sort of, you know, you know, it's come full circle, so to speak, and um, you know, two years older. But I don't necessarily think he's yeah not going to be able to contribute at all. I think he's actually going to be you know quite handy for us. To me, the the, the stuff that his game is really built around um, ages well. Mm. You know, um, he he's a passer. He works from the high. He works from the high post. He's never been a great rebounder throughout his career. So you know, I wouldn't expect a massive uptick or downtick in that. Um, they, I've heard, heard that his, um, his finishing around the rims diminished a little bit, which is a sort of sign of age. But um, at the end of the day, he's only got to have one year. Like, he's got effectively one year on his contract, you know. So um, it's a pretty low-risk gamble if you just look at it in a vacuum. If, you, if it was a Kemba Walker for Al Horford trade in a vacuum, 
man, I want to do that trade every single day of the week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the assumption has to be that someone who is a better defender than Campbell Walker will be the starting point guard. Almost yeah. no matter who it is in the entire league, they're probably going to be a better defender than Campbell Walker. So, unless least- we trade for Trey Young, in which case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So which I would be fine with. That, but that's- sure. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and there's a mentor, just on the, the sort of final like pro to the the Horford acquisition, there's like, like a mentor um, capacity there that Horford will be operating under in that like he, he has been a mentor previously to Robert Williams. He's been a, a mentor more recently to Moses Brown. And now he's going to be a, for lack of a better term, a super mentor to both of those younger guys uh, who play the fire for, for now the Celtics. So um, I think he can play a role on and sort of off the court on the bench there as well, which is great. We've got to give a shout out to a user, Husky Falcon, who made a post 20 days ago titled The Danger of the Luxury Tax and Why a Kemba slash Horford Swap is a Near Lock at This Point. Good post. Go check it out. But the TLDR is the best case is we are a contender and save $85 million. The worst case is that we cut Horford a year early and save $135 million. Of course, his contract is only partially guaranteed next year while still retaining Smart slash Fournier slash Time Lord. The alternative to not doing the trade is losing some of Fournier, Smart, and Time Lord. So Brad Stevens went on to say as an extension of that, well, not as an extension of this user's post, but you know, separate but related to that, that this trade gives the Celtics a road ahead with more financial flexibility and was, quote, the best deal with returning players. He believes Al Horford's ability to pass, stretch the court, and defend will make others better. Um, so essentially got a better starting five or, a, you know, a better top seven. And there's much more financial flexibility for the Celtics to maneuver around as far as building around the Jays and either being in a position to acquire um, you know, a top free agent in a couple of years by being able to clear out a max slot or having those high quality tradable contracts in Evan Fournier, in Time Lord, in Marcus Smart, where we can move pieces um, while staying around the tax apron to acquire, you know, a hefty Brad Beal-esque player um, to put around Tatum and Brown. So a lot more flexibility, a lot less penetrable, exploitable defense, particularly in the playoffs. I feel like it's a win-win. A lot of people were perturbed. Um, when the trade went down, but I think people are sort of becoming more and more um, comfortable with it. Uh, what sort of thoughts popped into your your guys' minds as far as flexibility and, and roster changes that might sort of be made subsequently now that we've got a little bit more flexibility? Well, the obvious thing is that Thompson gets moved. Sure. Um, uh, and that can be, to me, that can be two ways, right? Like it could be like for value, compiling him and say smart if you wanted to get a, him and Smart and somebody else would get you towards like a $25 million guy, you know, like um, if if that was the route that they wanted to go down and add a, add a bona fide third star. Or alternatively, um, I, don't think it, I don't think it'd take too much to move off his money because I, I don't actually think his contract's actually that negative. People talk about it like he's totally washed and he's not. Like he's... He's just a veteran NBA player who makes $10 million, you know? Like, you know, we could we could swap him around for a part that we need. Um, you know, like, oh, man, I, I feel like I'm scratching right now, but, like, if there's a, a Nick, Nick Batum type or something like that, you know, floating around out there, um, this is where I, my lack of preparation sort of becoming a bit obvious. But, but it's not impossible to trade him for another part that makes sense. Um, or alternatively, like his salary can disappear. Like we could just trade him with an asset to get rid of us, get rid of his salary. 
Mm. That's another option. Yeah, it, it feels like it feels yeah. like the the first part of of a multiple part, you know, trade six whatever that's going to happen too, doesn't it? It feels like it's the starting point. I think Brad's probably gotten into the office and thought, you know, he's got a very clear idea of what the players can and can't do, what objectively is going to work in the future and what won't. And I think this is just like, obviously, this is the move that made the most sense. So I think he is setting up some future moves. What they look like, I don't know, but I would be very, very surprised if we didn't see, you know, more major moves coming, you know, shortly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And sort of on that flexibility and more so around why the trade was made so early I, I think like do you guys remember ever a trade of this sort of magnitude being made at this point in the in the prior season i not for the celtics and i know there's a couple of points there's a couple of dumb questions i want to ask so i'm hoping you're about to answer them for me okay well ben. so this um, comes from a post by user general so's burrito uh and the post is titled boston celtics cap trivia and minutiae and basically, I'm summarizing it here, but they say, why consummate it now during the playoffs? Why not wait until the next season? Consummate. Or- Look, there's a lot of <laughs> great words flying around That's this, the word this, they this post. Minutiae, yeah. consummate. Yeah, we're just, just getting started Why prematurely? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is a bit of a spiel. I'm going to try and get to it quickly. I know Joe's got to get up early and tend to the farm. So I'm going to race through this very quickly and then we can ask any remaining questions. So they go and it says, why consummate it now during the playoffs? So, um, well, there's a strange quirk in the CBA that says teams eliminated from the playoffs are allowed to make transactions with players as long as they are under the contract or under contract rather through the next season. When this happens, they use the salaries from the current season rather than the next season. So... Why was it advantageous to consummate again the Kemba slash Horford trade now because of Kemba's contract? Kemba is on a max contract with a 15% trade kicker. The rules for trade kickers state that a player's post-kicker salary cannot exceed his maximum salary based on the greater of his previous season's salary and the max allowable for his years of service. So, because Kemba in the 2020-2021 season is a nine-year veteran. Ah, oh, it goes up the 10-year. Yeah, so his max about, salary. That's why all guys want to be 10-year free agents. Right. Yes. So his right, max right, salary right. is 30% of the 2020-2021 cap or $32 million, roughly. I'm sort of rounding it down there. Uh, if we wait until the 2021-22 season, he would be a 10-year vet with a max of 35% of the 2022 cap or roughly $39 million. So in order for OKC to acquire that larger salary, they would need to send back Roughly thirty-one million trading Kemba now means they only needed to send back twenty-six million. Um, yeah. So there you go. I found that interesting because I had no idea. I was like, why? Why now? Like, yeah. just chill, chill, Brad. Like, I also thought that maybe you know other teams might have been getting to a point where they were looking to salary dump um, or acquire Horford, and maybe that was the reason to rush into it. But it's all uh, it's all financial. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, prevent the try and get ahead of the bidding war on Horford. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, I mentioned before that how it frees us up to sign some of these more tradable contracts. We've all often referred to Marcus Smart as much as we love him as our most tradable contract. And we're now positioned to get a few of them in Fournier in Time Lord as well. And there's actually a lot of scenarios outlined really well in that thread that are now possible because of this trade. So I'll, I'll link the thread in the show notes. I know I always say that and then I never do, but I've added a special note <laughs> to it because it is very, very informative. Um, before we move on, so Brad Stevens on Moses Brown quickly. So, he, quote, we like Moses as an upside player. He's a guy that's got a bigger taste of the NBA this year. He's a guy that we're excited to learn more about and work with and see how he fits with our group. Um, Joe, what are your thoughts on Moses Brown? And then we'll go to you, Jackson. 
Well, my only thought on him is that he was the guy who gave us 20 and 20 in like the first mm. half. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> he must yeah. be good. And then I checked his stats and like, he's eight and eight in a real yeah. NBA year. <laughs> so he can't be awful. So if I got a, if if we got a guy uh, at the 16th pick who contributed eight and eight, I'd probably be okay with that, <laughs> you know? Um, so uh, that helped me to rationalize that because I wasn't crazy about giving up like, the current year's first rounder. There was something about the Stepien rule that didn't make sense to me. Because I thought the Stepien rule said that you couldn't trade away your first rounder in consecutive years. And we mm-hmm. definitely didn't trade it away last year. Yep. Um, oh, okay. So, right. So, if we didn't trade, got it. So, okay. Just, so, it's just, just a standalone pick that we've traded, right? Yeah. It is. But, like, if we had traded, like, or if we'd made the current year's pick and then traded it yeah. to OKC... It wouldn't have worked because then we wouldn't be able to trade the 2022 pick because um, because we I guess the clock starts again on that, right? You know? Yeah, that's a really good point. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I saw it written somewhere and I, I wasn't understanding it. I was like, why would it? Have, why would the steeping rule hurt us here? But anyway, um, yeah. So Moses Brown, yep, sure. Would have rather the 16th pick than Moses Brown, but I'd rather Kimber Walker, uh, rather Al Horford than Kimber Walker. So move on, you know. Mm-hmm. It just seems like a win-win all round for, for all parties involved. I mean, as far as like Moses Brown is concerned, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's good to start acquiring these like almost like anonymous role players that just explode against us. You know, um, <laughs> I think we'll be getting we'll be we'll be getting um, we'll be getting Ish Smith consummate. yeah, we'll be consummating Ish Smith and uh, <laughs> Sadiq Bay real soon. Um, but um, no, I mean, as far as like, I mean, not knowing a great deal about his his, his game, you know, beyond you know. The, the games he's had against us. I mean, if he is going to be like an understudy, for lack of a better term, to Time Lord, um, at least if Time Lord is going to suffer those, you know, those uh, injuries that's going to keep him off the uh, floor for periods of time, at least we have another young, athletic, dynamic sort of big that can, you know, sort of slot into that role too. So, I mean, um, the, the fact that we got, you know, another player, like a potentially young player that we can turn into, you know, a valuable asset down the road um is great but as far as 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 far as my knowledge of him as a player is concerned like it's, it's very limited so you know happy to have him but you know we'll just have to wait and see i think every celtics fan initially myself included when i saw the trade i was like oh he, he averaged like 20 20 last season right moses brown like this guy's <laughs> awesome turns out he did that like essentially once but uh it was enough it was enough to really excite me at the time and then i kind of piped down after i, I drilled drilled into it a little bit further um, so we'll see. I think it's it's good. It's going to depend on what happens with Tristan Thompson. Uh, at the moment, the center depth is is too deep, <laughs> so someone's going to have to move. Um, Taco Fall, Luke Cornett. I think maybe their days are done Not at Cornette. the very least. And <laughs> no, <laughs> Devast- <laughs> no <right>? devastating. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, some, something's got to budge there. Um, Tristan Thompson tweeted today five caps and i i do not like i said in our slack travel in the same circles as young people but i believe cap is is to mean bullshit but there was also some allegation that came out today about him cheating on his on his part, partner who i believe is a kardashian there so might have been related maybe i'm uh reading the tea leaves a little too deeply there but um, can i do can i have a real dad interjection yes <laughs> i learned Please. about i knew capping meant lying but i didn't know why do you know why? Do you want me to give you some urban dictionary? I've been trying yeah. to know. So I, would refer- refer- I would love to know the origin of this. Please. Re- refer- Please to the teeth. Refer to teeth. So, like, you might have, like, a gold cap tooth or you might have, like, a full gold tooth. So, no cap means it's not a cap. It's not a gold cap tooth. It means it's an actual mm. gold tooth. That's, uh, that's what I heard. That's what I heard. Okay. Yeah. 
Makes so, sense. you know, yeah, it's always nice to be able to trace the origins of these things. I learn something every time on this things? podcast. Uh, <laughs> it seems to just like surface out of nowhere. Like Chugi. You hear that, you hear that weird Chugi in the last six weeks? I've no. never heard it before in my life. No, what does oh, that mean? Well, yeah, that's us, man. <laughs> We're Chugis. <laughs> right. So what, is that an age Age bracket or yeah, or man, it's like right. high school kids look at us like people in our mid thirties and we're tryhards. Chugies, all yeah. oh, right, okay. Cool. The Celtics Chugie yeah, podcast yeah. has a nice ring to it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, that's basically what we are. So, with all that said and done, Campbell Walker is gone. Before we move on, obviously the team's moved on from Campbell Walker. Before we sort of emotionally and psychologically move on from him, is there a favorite? Campbell Walker memory that comes to mind now that his tenure is over? You know what? Uh, no. <laughs> it's actually been a rather it's actually ooh. been a rather, you know, forgettable tenure here, hasn't it? Unfortunately. Like I've got no- I thought you were gonna say the trade. The tra- but, yeah, the trade. Yeah. I mean, i I thought real hard about it. There was the time he made Landry Shamit like run like into the back of the stadium and then hit a three in the two OT game against um, the Clippers. That was nice. But honestly, the one thing that did come to mind, uh, game three against the Raptors in the bubble, he bleeds the shot clock down, plays this real sweet, like bounce pass to Daniel Tice and dunks it. And I thought, sweet, sweeping, coming, here we come. And then OG Nerdby hits a <laughs> fucking three with 0.2 right. second to go. So a play that's going to be in no one's mind pretty much forever um, was the first thing that came to mind. So that probably says all you need to know about Kemba's, Kemba's yeah. time. Dude, that is, that is exactly what I wrote down oh, as really? well, actually. <laughs> that is the one player that came to mind because that was a mm. sweet pass to find an open tie. And in that moment to go up 3-0, and we all thought we had gone up 3-0 and at that point. It, just, <laughs> it was such a, a nice point guard play compared to like maybe what we were kind of typically used to from Kemba Walker. Uh, and it gave me hope in that moment that, oh, okay, Kemba's healthy. He's playing like this. Look at the team we've got around him. Like, we're going somewhere. Obviously, we didn't. But, um, yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite memory as well. Narrator. Narrator. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> what about um, you, Joe? Uh, I can remember he, real early on, this was about November 2019, um, he had like 40 against the Nets. Mm-hmm. I remember following along that one. We're on a staff do. Um, I remember following along that and and that's you know like non it's quite been quite a nondescript tenure and um yeah it certainly wasn't all bad i don't think there's a lot of ill will towards kimber but um it was his time his time was up that's for sure yeah yeah i agree so uh so okay just quickly before we move on to the next sort of kimber related point so this is from user robbie f21 who wrote said it before but i'll always look fondly at kimber's time here class act the whole way through Never complained once about his role, and the big moments he did have were amazing. Always going to cheer him on wherever he goes. However, so this is sort of on Ainge stepping down and, you know, Brad Stevens stepping up as president. Um, What do you make of the reports of a disconnect between Brad and the front office and the players? And just to clarify, like, what I mean there is a couple of tweets and articles that came out just quickly. The first one from Jared Weiss on, on Twitter. The Celtics' dysfunction reached the point that Blake Griffin asked a friend on the roster if he could sign mid-season and was warned to stay away. Sources tell the Athletic NBA inside the events around the inevitable breakup of Kemba Walker and the Celtics. And allegedly from a, another article, which I somehow didn't uh, cite here, <laughs> sorry about that, um, Brad and Kemba had a, quote, tension-filled relationship with Stevens perceived to be harder on Walker than the other top players. Sources told the Athletics, Jared Weiss. Okay, there's your source. Sorry. Um, so <laughs> what, do you, what do you make of that? Because, you know, the Celtics... 
typically pretty tight-lipped with all all things, trades, you know, inner front office and, and locker room movements and dramas and whatnot. Um, you know, like that user said, Campbell Walker never really was one to complain. We sort of heard the same things about uh, Hayward during his time here. And yet we've got another, you know, top echelon player, top-ish echelon player leaving. And suddenly there are these complaints and these sort of dramatic talking points sort of bubbling to the surface here. So what do you make of that? Well, he deserved it. He deserved the, sorry to jump in there, but like he deserved a lot of the, the, the crap he would have taken from the coaching staff. It's not just defensively too. Remember back when they hit like just before lockdown, remember that game against OKC? Mm. Stuffed it up. He couldn't get the ball <laughs> yeah. over half court, couldn't take the foul. That happened like twice before. Far out. That's a coach killer. Of course you're going to get ripped to shreds for that. That's BS. You're a professional and you're the highest paid player on the team. You've got to take care of business there and he, and he, and he didn't. Now, like like I said, there's no you know, hate for me for, for Kimber Walker. He's human. He did that. But like at the end of the day, man, the guy just guy just didn't earn his paycheck so tough and i'm 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 a bit of a i'm a bit of an authoritarian when it comes to this i um i tend to side with front officers and coaching staff over players and uh this would be nice yeah i forgot all about that oklahoma city play yes (laughs) there was another game before like immediately before the almost exact same thing had happened i'd have to go look it up we were real shit then right before lockdown i remember i was actually glad when it happened with lockdown because it's like (laughs) i thought i thought it would would arrest the terrible form but anyway um yeah like a big timeout i I wonder if brad was had learned from the whole Kyrie experience, you know, basically all the guys that he had playing for him, you know, obviously he got some free agents in, but like, it was almost like they were his kids. He came in, he drafted them. He'd been with them forever. And then he has the superstar point guard come in and he probably, you know, it's probably safe to assume that Brad's a fairly passive guy and, and didn't, you know, crack the whip quite a lot. I mean, that could be bullshit. Maybe he did, but we just didn't, it didn't give that vibe like he did. And maybe he just felt like he needed to be a little bit hard, harsher on, on Kemba, like after the whole, you know, Kyrie circus. So, um, look, I don't think there's ever going to be a player coach relationship in any professional sports where there is intention at some point. So I'm sure that that's true in some respect, but did it like, was it the, was their relationship like throughout the time they, they were together just filled with tension and bickering and stuff? I don't believe that's the case, but I mean, maybe Brad had, you know, taken some of that Kyrie experience and like was projecting that onto Kemba somewhat. And when he makes plays like that, Joe, like you mentioned, yeah, I can imagine he was especially prickly. And it makes sense that Kemba was held by Brad at a higher standard than the younger players because he is the max He's contract veteran, veteran yeah. player, right? Yeah. So don't fuck up like that, excuse yeah. my French. Like <laughs> you're being paid to lead the way. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, I can understand why he'd be held to a, you know, um, yeah, a higher regard than, or rather more, more critically than some of the younger players. Mm. Um, we should move on. I'm, I'm going to truncate this section because we kind of touched on it earlier. So Brad Stevens was quoted in his press conference earlier today that he intends to find a roster to accentuate the team's wings. A lot of decisions moving forward will be on how to maximize the Celtics' best players, presumably Tatum and Brown. So we touched on some potential movements earlier, so I'm going to throw some trades proposed by a user, Profound Lover. Um, and it's a classic Celtics Reddit thing to just like throw your trades out into the sub and, and cop the downvotes. And, you know, <laughs> us as users often where we find ourselves scrolling through them, yet it is the off season. We've just opened ourselves up to make some moves. So I'm going to read out a couple to you. There's literally just two here. So number one, we swap Tristan Thompson and a future, pardon me, second round pick for DeLon Wright. 
Uh, the reason being that Sacramento needs center depth and we need guard depth. What do you think of that? Just basically Thompson for DeLon Wright straight up. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I'm <laughs> for it. If they'll do Thompson, it, I'm, I'm fine with Tristan it. Tristan Thompson probably like being back in California, so yeah, he'd probably be for it. Yeah, sure, from perspective of the Celtics. Why yeah, not? It's, <laughs> it's the capital, capital of California. Yeah, you can't, you can't go wrong, right? Short drive down Absolutely. to LA there. Um, number two, we send out Tristan Thompson and Romeo Langford to the Spurs, along with a future first and second. We send Grant Williams out to Houston, who in turn sends a future second to the Spurs. Stay with me here. In return, we get Derek White. We re-sign Evan Fournier to a four-year, $68 million contract. We extend Smart to a four-year, $66 million extension, bringing his contract to a five-year, $79.3 million contract. We add a vet, Min Center as well. So the, the, the key piece there is that we're sending out uh, Thompson and Romeo and Grant, and we're getting Derek White essentially as our starting point guard. Yeah. I don't know if San Antonio yeah. do it, but once again, like, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm still on the Grant Williams bandwagon, but, um, <clears throat> but Derek White's a proven NBA player. Mm. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll yeah. take Derek White. As soon know. as you said the Spurs, I thought the Patty, the Patty Mills uh, train was coming, and I was like, I'm all aboard. But <laughs> um, yeah, now sure. I, like from what I've seen of Derek yeah. White, I quite like his game too. So yeah, I'd be, I'd be for that absolutely. Yeah, I mean. Derek White, if we could somehow acquire him as a starting point guard, that would be great. I feel like he sort of fits the bill perfectly in in terms of you know being a good playmaker and maintaining some of that defensive you know um, ability that we need that we're missing. Um, but you know these are just two of the many hypotheticals that are being thrown about. We're going to move on. We're not going to spend too much time on them because there's going to be a thousand more that are thrown out between now and the next trade that actually happens. <laughs> so the co- the coaching short list was made shorter today. Woj tweeted out that Brooklyn's Ime Udoka, Milwaukee's Darvin Ham, and Clippers' Chauncey Billups are among head coaching candidates who Boston hopes to interview for a second time, sources tell ESPN. If it's being whittled down to those three and, you know, us three as a, as a team, I know Jason, our other team member, shout out to Jason, um, have talked about this a little bit. What are your thoughts, Joe and Jackson, on, um, on, on these three candidates? I don't really know anything about them, to be honest, other than the fact they've been linked to the Celtics, <laughs> to be fair. I mean, Adoka, Adoka, I think, comes from, has like, as far as like a coaching assistant pedigree, seems to like come has some decent experience there and the fact that you know his team's not in the playoffs anymore he's probably got like plenty of time to interview so we can get to you know make a very thorough um gather as much information we need as about him and um decide then but i mean chauncey billups i mean probably has has the name probably that would get the attention and the respect of the, of the players immediately. But I mean, I, I wouldn't have a clue what their, their coaching credentials are like, you know, as, as, as leaders and whatnot. So um, the fact that they are narrowing it down and it looks like they're going to make the decision sooner rather than later is what I hope above all. Like, I don't really know who the best one is or who they should go for, but I hope they just get it done quickly. They don't dither with it and they can just, you know, set up and get this guy acclimated and move forward. None of them like really jump out, jump out, jump out to me. Um, Billups, I'm I'm real skeptical of just names um, with coaches. You know, I sort of feel like, I mean, I'm sure there's examples that are that are working. It's just instinctively, I don't like it that much. Um, Odoka and Ham, I remember them both as players, and I like that they've that they're well-regarded, seem to be well-regarded assistants. I sort of hear them on that, you know, there's, I think Kevin Arnovitz does like a column every year where he talks about the guys who are assistants that are expected to pop up to head coaching and they've been around on that list. So, okay, whatever. But like you, Jackson, I mean, 
Ben, do you know anything about NBA assistant head coaches? Because I really don't. You know. <laughs> That's why I was asking you guys. <laughs> I, honestly, I have no idea. I, I've heard um, good things about all of them. I will say that Adoka is the only one without prior um, allegations of sexual abuse or domestic oh, violence. What? Um, Chauncey Billups? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Uh, along with uh, Antoine Walker, I believe. Um, they all settled out of court and... You know, I don't want to get bogged down in this because I don't know Whoa. more than what I've read in a headline. Yeah. But, but it seems a bit dodged, I, doesn't I'm, it? The way it was all resolved. Well, and, and, and perhaps for a team like the Celtics who are trying to improve their league-wide, like how they're perceived league-wide, um, appointing someone who does have that kind of background, despite their fit otherwise, might not be the best move forward. Fairly or unfairly, the reputation follows, doesn't it? So... It's like, do you take it on board for because he's a good coach or do you just stay clear of it to dodge any bullshit? Sorry to interrupt. No, no, you're right. And um, yeah, maybe we should just leave it there. There's a lot to unpack there and um, <laughs> oh, it's not really in our my, scope. My take on that might be too hard to handle. <laughs> so, uh, but it does lead to the question though, like, uh, so obviously none of these names jump out to us, um, but what do you what do you hope for? in a coach like what that brad stevens lacked perhaps do you want to see in the new coach and what attributes that brad had do you want to see maintained in the new coach man i was pretty happy with brad mm. like you <laughs> know like I, what i like to see young players played a little more a little more development of young players but i think to be fair to brad the young players developed in the period of time where he had a team that wasn't burdened with high expectations mm-hmm. of the playoff run right and didn't have a lot of high-priced veterans on there, right? So in that 2013 to 2016 range, there was plenty of development. Um, yeah, that that was probably the the thing that, you know, it just seemed like our, our mid-first rounders sort of seemed to, you know, wither on the vine a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, but Brad, I don't know, like, I guess... Nice, nice to see defensive rebounding preached a little more. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. Um, what comes to mind was that I think if you look at the Toronto Raptors and you look at the Golden State Warriors, now two teams that end up winning a title. So again, we don't we're not saying this is the way it's going to go, but you had the you had the Warriors and Mark Jackson who were always almost there or thereabouts, but never could way over the hump. And the same with the Raptors too, with Dwayne Casey. They get both they get those guys out. They bring in Steve Kerr and, and Nick Nurse, and there's an immediate sort of it, it looks like everything that. There was sort of kind of lacking before they went to that next level. Now, ob- ideally, obviously, that's what everyone would want from this from this next guy. You know, he is going to you know probably the lazy answer. You know, from a, a an armchair expert's opinion, like myself, would be just someone who's going to show a little bit more fire and a little bit more you know like just personality, I guess, on the sideline. But, you know, I think as long as the relationship between Stevens in the front office and the coach is a good one with like, you know, he can learn from Brad and what weren't during his tenure when he was building the team and he can bring in something else, like just a dynamic that Brad didn't have before, be that in the, you know, a little bit more, I don't know, intensity or or personality, then I think that would be a, you know, a good, com- a good you know, mixture for lack of a better term. But um, yeah, I mean, we've seen teams that have been just about there or thereabouts and they make the right coaching call and then they go over the top. So fingers crossed we follow that um, that trajectory. Absolutely. Now, final segment here, Philadelphia schadenfreude. Uh, I'm going to start with a <laughs> comment here by the user. Now, 
Jet, like the, what you can't see listening is like people with like leashes holding Jackson back. And this whole this whole podcast, you can't wait to just dive in here. So we'll go to you first, Jackson. But I will start with a comment from user Kill Johnny. This is a meme. The first meme debut on this podcast. We've never shouted out a meme from Celtics Reddit on this pod. The meme basically said, Jemmy Ojolay has more conference finals appearances than the 76ers over the last 35 years. Uh, Jackson, I, I throw to you now. Tell, tell us how you feel about this whole you know, situation that's played out. You know, I don't, I don't think I could do it to myself because it would be too, too cringy. But if I think if we went back to our earliest, earliest episodes, I think in like, you know, January, February of 2018 or whatever it was, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm Holy pretty sure we were hanging really shit on Ben all. Simmons back then too. I'm pretty sure we were doing it, you know. Um, <laughs> oh, and, yeah, you know it, yeah. And, on the I, tapes. And, I, and I like to think of myself as one of the co-founders of, of, the, of the Ben Simmons' shit bandwagon, and now everyone's <laughs> jumping on board to the point where I actually feel sorry for the guy. To the point where I'm actually like, damn, that's, that's, a, that's a lot because, I mean, you know, NBA players have gotten clowned before, like J.R. Smith for making that, that play in the game one of the finals a few years ago and whatnot. But I've never seen the... I've never seen the vitriol towards a player like I have with Ben Simmons here. And it's, it's, it's making me sympathetic towards him. Because let, let's face it, the, the reason I dislike him the most is because 60% he plays for the Sixers, 40% it, uh, Australian NBA basketball casuals are just, 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 just fawn over the guy. And I've always said to him, yeah, it's all well and good, but he can't shoot for shit. So until he does that, I'm not going to be excited about him. And, you know, I've, I've not changed my perspective on that to this day. The only other thing I will add to this is that he bailed on the World Cup a couple years ago to work on his skills and get better mm. for the next season. Now it's come out today that he's going to probably bail on the Olympics to work on his skills. And it's like $180 million to like work on your basketball fundamentals. It's just, it's, it's, it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. So part of me is... Yeah, reveling in the Schadenfreude because a it's the Sixers, but uh, yeah, it's it's gone to the point where I actually feel sorry for the guy. I thought he he actually came out today that he was ineligible to to play for the Boomers because he's actually from New Zealand. That's what I heard. So I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> <laughs> boomers Boomers trade the right to Bainsey. For- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let, but like you're actually getting at something here that's a little like I don't know it's a little bit stink to say but like the guy's not true blue un Australian he's, he's not man he's he's un Australian and like you know as much as much as we hate the Aussies we do respect them and like Joe Ingalls is like the ultimate Australian basketball player. Then Paddy Mills is like, flip, I'd love it if Paddy Mills was a Kiwi. Even Dante, Dante Exum seems like such a good dude, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, who's just had bad luck, you know? Shane All your Eel. players are, yeah. Shane Eel. <laughs> Bogan was very Australian as well, too. Bog- Bogan is yeah. extremely yeah, yeah. Australian. Bogan yeah. is the most, Bogan is the most culturally yeah. familiar person <laughs> I know of that plays in the NBA. A couple of weird takes online, but that's okay. He's yeah. definitely yeah. got a couple of odd ones, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I know those people in real life. Anyway, um, Ben Simmons is un-Australian, and I'm kind of gutted for you guys. And we've Thank actually you. gone kind of low-key gone for a little bit of a mini sort of thing like that with Stephen Adams, but Stephen Adams is Kiwi as, even though he doesn't play for us. Um, but the thing about Simmons is, like, even though I kind of dislike his personality, a little bit, or I dislike a lot of the decisions that he's made. I love his game. I love his game. Like, love it. Like, I'm the guy who 
who proposed trading Jalen Brown for Ben Simmons. Um, now, you ask me, Ben, how do I feel about that? Took the words right out of my mouth. The thing, the thing about trades in the NBA, right, like, is you've got to have the right change. And, um, like, a few years ago when uh, Kawhi Leonard was up and we could have had him, unfortunately, we just didn't have the change. Like, Jalen Brown was just worth more as a trade asset than Kawhi Leonard at that point, and we couldn't make that trade. You know, even if we even if we really wanted to, like you couldn't make that trade. It's we've we've never had the right change, and unfortunately, like if the Celtics really wanted, say the Celtics really wanted Ben Simmons, they could trade um, Tristan Thompson and and Jalen Brown, and I think that would be the best package out there. Unfortunately, that is too much value to give up at this point. But I would, oh man, I just I do love Simmons's game, and I think he is like he is severely underrated at this point. Like, yeah. Man, just His stock is you too had low. to go. What he did with it's way too low. And and man, do you remember what he looked like with that 2018 team that where, where it was like uh, Ilya Sova and Bellinelli and Reddick Covington. and like he was just a force of nature, man. Like he with a team like that around him, man, he could he could do some damage. I'd kind of love for him to be on the Spurs, to be honest. Um, I think that would be a really good good place for him. It does lead to the question. So is Jalen Brown the the best player <laughs> drafted out of the 2016 draft? My bias answer. Can we even comment on that? My biased answer says yes. My unbiased answer says he's definitely in the top three. Because I think when he went third, everyone was like, what are you doing? You could, that's, that's, that's way too high. No, I think maybe Jamal Murray might have something to say about that. I think Siakam, as much as it looked like he may have peaked, I still think there's mountains of potential there that could, that could get better. Um, uh, yeah, to answer your question, I I, be- I believe he is as a Celtic supporter, but I'd say he's definitely in the top three. I think um, under the like Simmons, Simmons has like mental issues right now. Like maybe not real life mental issues, but basketball mental issues, he definitely has. Um, and I think it's obscuring the fact that like like Simmons is a freakish mm-hmm. talent. Um, and uh, I think underneath it all, I think. He is actually the best passable player. I do. Interesting. Um, yeah, I still believe that. Now, look, it's it's a, it's a, Jalen Brown's much more of a sure thing at this point. And um, but what like what Simmons can do? Like, I just love passes. <laughs> <laughs> he is such a good passer. Um, he, a willing he, he passer. Is just, <laughs> a willing, might say he's too willing, willing to a fault. Like 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 I like. Do I honestly think that if the Celtics substituted? Jalen Brown for Ben Simmons in my heart of hearts right this year. If they, if I think they did that and they were to add, you know, if they were to get Simmons plus value from somewhere for, for Jalen Brown, do I think the Celtics would be a better team this year? N- not necessarily, but I don't think they'd be worse. But I think Simmons has shown some real flaws at the tippy top end that, you know, I've always accepted he's a flawed guy, but maybe he's too flawed. And Jalen Brown's constant like as as the arc of his progress is he you know free throws were a real weakness finishing at the rim was a real weakness you know he has slowly eliminated these weaknesses from his game um and i trust him a whole lot more in high leverage situations and 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 at some point that that's the tiebreaker right yeah i i agree like Jalen brown is consistently on an upward trajectory Ben Simmons seems to be um, in the opposite direction. I think what we're seeing with Ben Simmons is like a delayed onset Markel Fultz syndrome. 
Mm, where, yeah. <laughs> you know, it hasn't happened right out of the gates, but it, it seems to be impacting him in, in one way or another. And like, I, I guess to, to get back to the Schadenfreude a, a little bit, that play at the towards the end of, of game seven where, you know, he had a wide open dunk. Everyone's talking about it. Mm. You know the play I'm talking about. And he just gave it up to to Thibel for a contested layup instead of going up himself. Like, I, I don't know how you can recover from that. I don't know how the Sixers can recover from that. And that's why I think he's going to be moved this offseason. I think that even just in a vacuum is like, yeah. we like, sorry, mate. Like, we cannot keep yeah. you around after that. That is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, him and, right. him and Embiid no. just doesn't work. Yeah. I don't think there's a single no. GM. I don't think there's a single GM out there that wouldn't take him. It's just going to come down to the price. You know, everyone's just saw the horror show that he that his playoffs performance was. But I don't think there's a single GM that'd be like, oh no, thanks, we don't want that. They'd be like, yeah, we'll take him, but we're only going to give you this much. So you know, I, I think people will take it on board as like a reclamation project. They'll want to be the ones that get him back to where yeah. he is. And like you know, as fun as it is to hang shit on him, like you know, the majority of it comes because of the team that he plays for. If he played for shit, if he played for Charlotte or Miami or Denver or whatever, maybe not so much Denver, Ben. You wouldn't agree with that, but no, I'd be I'd be absolutely devastated <laughs> for the guy. But because it's Philly, I, I think it's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> completely agree. Yeah. Captain Cumsock 69 wrote, I think it's a legit debate between Jamal Murray and Jalen Brown, to be honest. And, uh, and <laughs> Jackson, you mentioned uh, Pascal Siakam there, I think, as sort of the, the three names that surface to the top. Brandon Ingram, maybe as well. Yeah, but uh, Jalen Brown, looking good. Looking good. Um, any takes that you guys have left on the table there at all before we wrap this one up that you want to get off your chest? It's not a take, but I only found out today that Matisse Thibault is eligible for the Boomers. I know that's got nothing to do oh, with really? the show or whatever, but yeah. Well, if yeah. that's not like finding 20 bucks in your jean pockets, I don't know <laughs> what is. Kyrie Irving thing. Born in the States, lived here for his childhood, then went back to the States, and apparently he's eligible. Yep. No, but Kyrie was born in Australia. I think mate. he was born in... Was he? He's born, born in Melbourne. He's born in Melbourne. Okay, it's like a Conf- thing. Melbourne's had the. It's the city with the most True. number one. Yeah, sorry, I'm confusing Mel Gibson. Market. He did the America, Australia, America thing. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the classic Bible Mel Gibson mix up <laughs> happens all the time. <laughs> happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks to the lovely folks of Celtics Reddit for your posts and your comments. Jackson and Joe, love your work, guys. Thanks again. Thanks, guys. Cheers. All right, we'll be back in a week or sooner if there's news. Until then, go Celtics. Peace. Peace.